0: All right, welcome into the Loudouts podcast. A little bit of a solo mission for uh, myself. I'm hanging out in Toronto, and CJ's on a little bit of a vacation with his wife Megan. Uh, there's a couple of games that they have off. It just happened to work that way for CJ, uh, so we're happy. He's in Napa Valley somewhere, sipping on wine, uh, while I'm in uh, in Toronto. Uh, getting ready for a game on Friday against the Blue Jays and the Chicago Cubs. So so, since I'm sitting here in my room and yesterday, really an emotional no hitter, I I thought I'd share, you know, some reflections on a pretty amazing game uh, yesterday. Also today being August 10th, it it would have been my mother's um, 73rd birthday. So watching yesterday's game yesterday in Philadelphia, and by the way, uh, have the Philadelphia Philly fans turned into the nicest fans in baseball? Is it possible that the fans are no longer booing Santa Claus or Christmas or anything like that, that Philadelphia fans are actually the best, most empathetic fans in baseball? I think it's possible. Certainly in the case of, of trade Turner and the reverse boo for the standing ovations and it's worked. It's worked. Players are talking about like, man, Hey, Philadelphia fans, you guys are awesome. Like you guys are really important to the franchise. And we've always known that. Like I could tell you from a player standpoint, when, when teams are, when, when fans are into the game, um, you know, not needing the scoreboard to tell you to get up and cheer that the, the fans actually know, Oh, there's two strikes. Let's let's cheer on for our pitcher to get the last out of the inning. Let's see if we can get a punch out. Oh, this guy just pitched seven innings strong. And we're going to give him an ovation. There's also times where I'm at ballparks, and and <laughs> it happens in Colorado on occasion. You'll see it's like the biggest part of the game, and people are sitting there. Last out of the game, people are sitting there. Philadelphia, they get it. Uh, I've been to, you know, you you understand. New York fans are really good. Boston fans are really good. St. Louis fans are the best. You can just ask them. Philadelphia has been awesome. That's also the first place I ever saw. A player get booed. I think I've shared this this story before on on MLB Network Radio with CJ. The very first time I ever saw a major league player get booed at their home field was in Philadelphia. And it was a day game. Sal is catching uh for the Philadelphia Phillies, and they start booing when Sal's hitting. And I'm like, wait, Sal's a fan favorite. He actually had a corner where up in up in Citizens Bank, like in the top upper deck in the corner there's a place for sal's pals and it was like the last seats in the in the house and and basically you had like eight or nine guys that sat up there and they cheered for sal fasano and so this game it's late in the game it's maybe sixth or seventh inning and sal fasano's up and and i hear boos and i'm like why the heck are they booing sal fasano and then i realize on the on deck circle is david belt and so David Bell has reached the on 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 deck circle, and Philly fans see him. and at this time, I think this was like the second year of a contract that David Bell had signed uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies, and he was brutal for them. And during that time frame, like he was high he was a high pay player, he wasn't playing well. And so he comes on the on deck circle, and the fans are just letting him know they're just booing him. This was 2006. That year, he ended up hitting 278, so it's not like he was that bad of a player. So, Sal makes an out. Now, here comes David Bell. He's walking up to the plate, and now it's like crazy boos. Like, the whole stadium, like, holy poop. I can't believe I'm actually hearing a home team boo a player. I've never heard that before. What did he do? Did he Did he hurt somebody? No, he's just underperforming. And this is what Philadelphia Philly fans do. That's what one of my buddies said. I was like, oh, wow, I've never experienced that. David Bell gets a pinch hit, base hit. He gets a first base. The crowd goes crazy. And so I see it, and I was like, okay, so they hold players accountable. I I have a producer that I work with that is from Philadelphia, and they say the same thing. You know, hey, we double park, and we boo players when they don't perform. Got it. And in the case of Trey Turner this season, we get it. The numbers are down. He signed a massive contract. He's an amazing players. My son's favorite players. of well, my favorite players, uh, the numbers that he's capable of putting up in Philadelphia should be MVP type. He's also young enough with uh, where he is in his career to be able to put up MVP numbers. Like Trey Turner should be at the peak of his baseball abilities. He should be the top of the class. And, and for the season, he's hitting 243, 11 home runs, uh, not a high win above replacement for somebody that should be there uh, near the top. I mean, it's an 85 OPS plus, which for him, he's a career 118. So he is he is way down. I mean, it, you you might as well just bring in a replacement for Trey Turner. But what has happened is this reverse cheering. They're cheering him on. and As a result, he's had three of the last five games have been multi-hit games. Uh, hit a big home run and go ahead, Homer. Uh, against the Royals uh, about five days ago, and it was awesome. And so Michael Lorenzen, who I still think the Cincinnati Reds messed up, and they should have they should have got Lorenzen back. And Michael Michael's bounced around. He began his career in Cincinnati, um, which is where we should start. In 2016, I, I first became aware of Michael Lorenzen for a video that I saw, and uh, Lorenzen lost his dad. Um, and then he goes on the bereavement list. And when he comes back, he's, he's one of the true like freaky athletes out there where he could play center field if you wanted him to. And um, he takes in a bat and he hits a home run. And as he's rounding the bases, you know, th- there's just tears. And I saw this YouTube video and I, and I got choked up. I lost my mom uh, in 2009. And so you fast forward and you're watching this, this player and, and watch him grow. And then you hear the stories of, of how he works out and, He's probably the most fit player in Major League Baseball. I don't think um, maybe Stone Garrett, maybe Tyler O'Neill, Michael Lorenzen. Those are probably the top three. And so Lorenzen, he's dealt with some injuries. Cal State Fullerton guy. So I, I, love, I love him for that, even though it's against UC Santa Barbara. But Lorenzen wants to be a starter. He's a really valuable back-end reliever. He was a valuable pinch hitter. Uh, and he had... You know the chance to do multiple things. He actually played defense for the Reds when Nash League rules were still intact. So with the universal DH that basically stopped it for Lorenzen, and he wants to be a starter. So in 2022, he signs with the Angels, and if you remember that, um, the Angels signed a couple guys, and Lorenzen was one of those, and and he he began his journey to becoming a starter. So 18 starts in 2022. And then this last year, he signs with the Detroit Tigers and the Tigers were all in uh, AJ Hinch. They were all in on on Michael Lorenzen. And so they give him another 18 starts and he ends up being an all star, ends up being an all star for the Tigers, which is crazy. Um, I mean, some people argue maybe not an all star, but you have to have a representative. I don't I don't buy that. I think uh, there's always an all star on every single major league team. So I had no problem with Michael Lorenzen representing Detroit as an all star. And as the trade deadline got closer and closer, I was expecting the Reds to try to reacquire Michael Lorenzo. They needed starting pitching help. Ends up being the Philadelphia Phillies. And if you listen to us on, on MLB Network Radio, uh, you'll hear BGG, That's Ben Gordon-Goldstein. Him and I always uh, are at each other's necks because we like to tease each other. But BGG said, this doesn't really move the needle for a Phillies fan to get Michael Lorenzo. I'm like, what? All right. First start for Lorenzen, eight innings, eight innings. He goes out there and shoves and cars for eight innings, his next start and the one against the Washington Nationals. And I caught this game yesterday around the seventh inning. And as I was watching it and I'm watching Lorenzen pitch, noticing I was like, man, the changeup has been pretty good, but he's wild. You know, you go back and I was like, what is he doing? Now, I saw the Nationals earlier in the season and the Nationals uh, as a team, as an offensive team, not a good unit. It's also kind of they're weird because they don't strike out a lot. They don't walk a lot. They also don't take a lot of pitches. Uh, They have the lowest amount of pitches per plate appearance in baseball. They're young. Don't have a lot of power. So I know teams have been looking for kind of that perfect recipe of what are we looking for uh, ingredients wise? from a from an offensive team. We, we, we don't want to strike out because strikeouts are bad, but you don't want to strike out at the cost of no slug and no on-base percentage and no batting average. So, even though the Nationals are are near the top in baseball and batting average, the no slug and really low on-base percentage doesn't really work out. So, almost a bit of a perfect storm for Michael Lorenzi. gets through the first couple innings, he walks a bunch of guys, and then he settles in. And as I'm watching this game, and you start, you know, fast forward to the ninth inning, Tom McCarthy and John Cruck, and and how they were, you know, describing all the action. Um, you have a kid that's been, you know, fighting his entire baseball career to make it to the big leagues. Makes it to the big leagues, uh, in his very first at bat, hits this, hits his home run. Uh, Wes Wilson. It's a great scene. You could tell his family's there, super emotional. Like these things don't happen. I think of Chris Coe's. Chris Coase was like a 30 year old rookie catcher with Philadelphia. And like he went crazy, like Philadelphia loves these type of players I'm telling you is Philadelphia becoming the best, most sympathetic fans in baseball. I'm not sure. So you already have this story. Wes Wilson, amazing night for him. First at bat Homer, two walks, just beautiful. You also get to see Nick Castellanos and Castellanos and his son. His dad's like, dad, come on, let's go. So he hits Homer number one ninety nine. And then he tells Castellanos, "Hey, let's go get another one. Let's hit number two hundred. Boom, hits number two hundred. So I'm watching all these scenes. I'm like, dang, man, like this is this is an amazing kind of scene. And here we go, Tom McCarthy, John Cruck, top of the ninth inning. They start talking about Lorenzo. Uh, his mom's in the, the mom's in the crowd. is his wife's there with a the baby. Uh, I saw Michael in Detroit. We we've connected uh, through fitness over the last couple of years. So every time we see each other, we always spend some time. Uh, He's building this whole like uh, athletic training app, which is kind of cool. I think he's launched it. I'd have to follow up with with him when I see him, but he's easy to root for. And for somebody that's lost a parent, like me, I felt connected to him for him, losing his dad Uh, Our, you know, our ways of, of losing a parent was a little bit different, but regardless, losing a parent absolutely sucks and it, it hurts and it's, it's devastating. It's devastating toward, towards the kid. You want, you want your parent to be there for all the memories, right? Like I got married, uh, I, I have multiple kids. My mom wasn't there to see the birth of my daughter. My, my mom didn't know, uh, about my, my son, you know, like I've had all these milestones that I wish she was there for and you know broadcasting to baseball like she just never saw him. I I could feel that she's there um but regardless I I miss her and so you know you can understand for for different moments in a in a player's career you know the text message from a parent when when you stink like hey keep it up or you know don't keep it up you look like trash um you miss that you know like the encouragement of of a parent is really important necessary and i almost always talk about um players that have this safety net how important it is for that safety net to be there with them regardless of of results on the field and so you can imagine what the safety net was for Michael Lorenzen uh, his wife his mom dealing with injuries making the transition for from from a reliever to a starter Um, simple stuff that goes with an athlete but still really important to have that that group behind you and now they're they're here his first start uh, in Philadelphia, and you have all this emotion, and McCarthy and John are just nailing it um, from a from a production standpoint. Just watching the the cuts, he gets an out. They show his, his wife and and daughter. They have their phones out. They're screaming, "Oh my god!" To um, uh, getting all the way to the final out, and 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 then just watching the celebration. I mean, it's like overwhelming. It was overwhelming. And like I was a puddle. I'm literally sitting at 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 an airport restaurant slash bar. Uh, I've had a a glass of wine, and I'm like a puddle. I I have tears. I'm I'm like ugly crying uh, at at a restaurant in an airport in Chicago, waiting to go to Toronto. I I had to take like a break. I had to pause it. Go ban. Like Tom McCarthy and Cruck just like. Hit every note, the the way the producers and directors and the camera, like, cheers to that broadcast. Holy crap. Like, that's an Emmy award-winning show. Not that it matters. I I, I kind of tweeted about, like, dude, the notebook makes me cry. I'm not ashamed of it. Rachel McAdams, love her. Ryan Gosling, so hot. I mean, the that movie made me cry. And so, like, this was, like, the baseball equivalent of, like, a rom-com. Well, actually, I don't. I wouldn't put the notebook as a rom com, but this one was like at, at an emotional state that I was not expecting—not for a Wednesday night in baseball. And at the end, you you hear, you know, the question to Michael Lorenzen. The first question is, you know, like, what do you think your dad would be saying? And he gets choked up. He says, Dan, like, <laughs> you're making me emotional." I was again, I'm like, God, Tom, what are we doing? What are we doing? You're like crushing anybody that has melancholy uh, for a loved one. Uh, and he answers it. And then he says a couple things that I thought were important. You know, he thanked the Philadelphia Philly fans. He thanked for their support, what it felt like to have it uh, behind you, uh, what it was like to, you know, be able to celebrate with friends and family. And beyond that, you know, seeing how, the Philadelphia Phillies front office and PR, uh, how they had Lorenz's mom and and his wife and his daughter there on the field celebrating with the team. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. And kudos to everybody involved with that. For for some for somebody that watches a lot of baseball and I and I walk among the, the graveyard, basically, I'm not not a player, not front office, a media, you kind of walk the lines of, 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 you know, being in between all of that and to see the clubhouse and to see how Philadelphia shared that moment with, with, with him and the family. That's not normal. Uh, That was not a normal occurrence and uh, a lot of credit towards, towards everybody involved. That was probably one of the more beautiful games you'll ever see um, just because of the storyline, which is the opposite of what's going on with both Chicago and Baltimore. In the case of Chicago, we talked about this at the start of the week. We had Jesse Rogers on. He kind of dropped the bombshell uh, of this article. Kenan uh, Middleton just basically saying that Chicago White Sox clubhouse sucks and there's no leadership and front office sucks too. Like everything sucks. All this poop just trickles down. Um, how it was dysfunctional, no rules, no accountability, and and really put his name to it, which doesn't happen. Then you have Rick Hahn, Pedro Grafal uh, addressing the media midway through this week. It felt like a lot of noise. It felt like they were hurt. I understand why they're hurt. I mean, the, the, I understand Rick Hahn saying like the sanctity of the clubhouse, but come on. Um, sometimes you do have to expose problems. Sometimes you do have to expose the, pro- the problems and you have to make it public. And if you don't believe me, if you think that this is like, Hey, an unwritten rule, we don't bring anything out to the public. Then why did the Tampa Bay Rays out Wander Franco in public? why did they do that? Why, why did, why did a team, a franchise, a manager on a first place team expose a player? why did they do that? I thought it was supposed to be quiet. So you could save it. From Chicago's standpoint, like I don't want to hear it from Rick Hahn telling me that this is how a clubhouse works. No, that's not quite it. When you get to a certain level and it's that bad, you have to expose it. And Key did. And of course, Yankees come rolling into town and they take on the Chicago White Sox. And here comes Key. And a lot of people, especially the Southsiders that are paying attention to a lot of Twitter that has been supporting this team, and by the way, they didn't like being outed by Rick Hahn in the front office again. They recorded it. The White Sox, they didn't put Middleton's name on the scoreboard. They didn't even, like, show him on any of the the ribbon around the field. You think it was, like, coincidence and omission? Whoops. No. There's no way. I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. I never will buy it. You, you could tell me that it was a it was a mistake. We didn't have his name loaded up on the Yankees roster yet. BS, stop. That's that's total bull. Uh you did not want his name up in in the in around the stadium, and there was something that was said from the front office that trickled down. More of a problem. So that's a joke. That needs to clean itself up. I can't I can't believe I was even watching that. I was like, man, if you want to turn this thing into an actual class organization, then act like class. Right now, you're acting the opposite. You're acting like a bunch of donkeys. Which brings up the last one. And for me, tomorrow, in Baltimore, Friday night, Baltimore, the return of Kevin Brown. And I've, been, I've heard from a lot of broadcasters, and in case just as a refresher with Kevin Brown, Uh, He basically just showed some stats from from how bad the Orioles were in at the trop for years and how they were finally going into Tropicana with a chance to win a series, which hadn't happened before in like years. And the numbers were bad. And Mr. Angelos decided that, hey, listen, we only talk positives here. We don't talk about the past. There is even an edict that said we're not going to talk about how any of these players came here from from past trades. I mean, Dick Connolly wrote a scathing, scathing opinion and presented the facts, and they're not good. And it's unfortunate too because Baltimore. I told you I've been bathed in the in the bath of of Mister Splash in the bird bath. I'm all in on Baltimore. I'm all in on what they're about. I love the young. Nucleus of players. The fact that since Adley Rutchman has been on on the Orioles, they haven't been swept one time. That's awesome. Man, there's some studs there, and like this season should be about the birds. It should be about flying around and and maybe some credit towards the family, towards ownership. Hey, good job, you know, hiring Michael Elias. Good job with some of the trades that that returned us y- Yaner Cano good job with this farm system that, that we've seen all these prospects make it to the big leagues. Like, good job. This was a, this was a chance to like, take your hand out and wave. Nope. Foot and mouth. Suspend Kevin Brown for, for a graphic that came from, from, from notes from the PR. Uh, I've heard from different, various PRs and, you know, they're ashamed. They're embarrassed. I mean, I think PRs around baseball are embarrassed by what happened. And so you heard free Kevin Brown chants at an Orioles game the other night. And and if the Orioles go on to win a World Series, you think the family gets any credit for it? They're going to get booed. They're going to get booed. They finally had a chance to, like, celebrate and not look like a bunch of doofuses and, like, an inept front office in ownership. Instead, they continue to look terrible and for anybody that wants to join that that front office or you know from the media standpoint, why would you want to work there? They have to clean up so much stuff and it's unfortunate and I was talking to a couple of people around you know it was kind of neat to see how many people rallied around Kevin Brown, but it goes back it goes back there's so much more from you know, Gary Thorne to John Miller to the, how the team doesn't travel radio broadcasters. Um, Kevin Brown became like something that you could back, but there was way more history behind it. And so I'm curious to see what in the world is Kevin Brown going to say tomorrow on the broadcast? I want to see it. And how do you fix that? I mean, If I'm Kevin Brown, he's going to have a child soon. He likes it there. I'm going to use my leverage to do a long-term contract and still work for this guy that seems nuclear? I don't know. Doesn't look right to me. Anyways, I had some time. Now I'm going to head off to dinner. I miss having CJ here. It's much better with CJ, but him and Megan are probably having the best time ever. So I'll be in Toronto seeing the Cubs. Cubs have been fun. So the Blue Jays, and by the way, it's Toronto, Toronto, Toronto is how they say it here. Uh, I kept saying Toronto. I think California people like myself, they say Toronto. It's, it's neither. It's Toronto. So whatever. Stay tuned for our next uh, loud outs pod and uh, CJ and I will be back at it uh, sometime next week. Bye.